Welcome to the Time Out Podcast with Tyshawn Taylor, hosted by Rock, which is me. A man to the left here. Needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. He was born in Hoboken, New Jersey. He attended St. Anthony's High School, where he played under the great Bob Hurley. During the 07-08 season, he led the team to a 32-0 record and was dubbed the USA Today National Championship Team. As a four-star recruit, he came to the University of Kansas. His freshman year, he made the Big 12 All-Rookie Team. He did start all four years at KU. His senior year averaged over 16 points a game, five assists, while leading the Hawks to the National Championship game. He went on to be the 41st pick overall in the 2012 NBA Draft, none other than Tyshawn Taylor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What's missed, up, Tyshawn? Missed a couple things in that intro, but it's all good. That was pretty man, damn good. I mean, I'm nervous, man. I'm nervous. Yeah, it's that was pretty damn good. Thank you for that. Um, thanks, you know, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, appreciate all the work you put in behind the scenes to make this happen. So I'm excited to be here. Me too. Me too, man. So how you been? Um, been doing good, man. Um, a lot of things have been going on this summer. Had a had a eventful summer, to say the least. Um, been doing a lot of traveling, a lot of basketball. Uh, camps and clinics, individual workouts with some young, uh, young kids. Um, played in a couple charity games back at home in Jersey. Uh, got hired to be a coach out of high school. Um, man, you're giving away all our all our information already I in mean, the first see, question, that's man. What's going man, on. Man. I'm trying to tell you, man. It's a lot. It's been a. It's been a. It's been a lot. It's been a uh, eventful few months for me. So let's talk to, to the listeners just a little bit before we get started and kind of walk them through like how the podcast came to fruition mm-hmm. and what they can expect from the podcast. Um, well, me and you met, uh, you know, now that I'm doing my training and stuff, I started to, to train your son Chamberlain um, through some basketball stuff. And um, I, as you guys stay consistent with the training, me and you, you know, got to talking and just, you know, uh, seeing how much we had in common, uh, how many things that we... Uh, seen the same way, uh, how many things that we, we liked uh, that were the same. And so, you know, just over the simple conversation, just kind of generically happened. Uh, you know somebody who does tech, and I know, and I'm me, and I like to talk about myself, and you were gassing me up, so it was kind of <laughs> easy to Yeah, look, man, I know I promised you I wouldn't tell this story on the air, but I feel like I can't, I can't withhold it from our listeners, man, right? So how it really came to came to be is one day you came to me and said yo rock i really want to do a podcast but i need somebody a little bit better looking than me a little bit smarter than me and a little bit funnier than me to help host it and i i I went through the list of people and man you meet all those criteria would you help me out (laughs) isn't that uh, i mean look I told you from day one, I don't want to. I don't want to hold nothing back from the listeners. This and is going to be. This is going to be a behind the scenes, yeah. all access to. And now you guys see why he's here. No, so like he said, we. Uh, I've been bringing my son and my daughter now to train with Tyshawn, and uh, we just got to talking, and we both enjoy a lot of the same things. And so, what can the listeners expect from the Timeout Podcast? Um, I think they can expect uh, just us up here clowning, being real. Um, for one, um, you know, talking a little bit about me, my story, and my background, you know, uh, where I came from, the things I got going on now, and as far as uh, training and doing individual stuff with the youth. Um, also, you know, hopefully get a couple of my ex-teammates up here, some of my friend, my close friends up here, um, to tell their stories, because we've all, you know, 
had similar journeys, but you know, had to take different routes. So to 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 hear perspectives of other you know basketball players who are either still hooping now or you know making a transition to other things, I think uh, I think the fans uh, will get a kick out of that as well as myself. Just you know, just hearing um, again some of the stories uh, from some of my teammates. Um, yeah, talk about fatherhood. Talk about you know real life things, current event things. Um, obviously, we talk about sports. Football season is about to start. Uh, we wanted to we wanted to start this um, a little while ago before our Jayhawks won, but obviously we'll touch on you know them and, and you know uh, you being a Jayhawk fan and me just you know um, Mr. Jayhawk being a legend, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so we'll obviously cover a bunch of Jayhawk stuff. Um, so for me, yeah. what what's interesting for me is uh, you may find this hard to believe, but uh, coming out of high school, I wasn't very highly recruited for anything at any not, sports. No, that's not, that doesn't surprise me. No. So for me, it's it, it, I'd like to dig into kind of the <laughs> kind of dig into the behind the scenes, like because you know you see a lot of athletes doing podcasts and interviews, and it's usually the same stuff, same questions. So I want to ask random behind the scenes questions that the normal average everyday fan wouldn't be have access to or wouldn't know about just random, just stuff that's always made me curious, just to, For sure. just to be a little bit different. I got all the answers, bro. That's good, man. That's good. So for episode one, we're going to take a look at the life of Tyshawn Taylor starting back in Hoboken, New Jersey. Now we're going to have a lot of future episodes that we can dive deep into some of the stories and some of the uh, experiences, but we don't want to give them all away uh, on the first episode. So yeah. look, let's start with uh, your childhood in New Jersey, man. How What was it like growing up in New Jersey? Um, Back in the, what, 60s? <laughs> Dang it. Uh, early 90s. Man. Oh, early 90s. 90s. My bad, my bad. Born 1990 um, to a young mother, a young single mother. Um, you know, in in a in a, I guess we call it the projects. I guess we call it low income housing, or you know, however people describe it. But um, it was cool. I had all my family there. I had a bunch of cousins my age. You know, a bunch of friends my age growing up there. Um, when you come from communities like that, you find a sense of community outside, not just with your family, but in uh, other people. You know, the people in the community. So it felt like a big family. Um, Love New Jersey. One of the favorite. Love Hoboken, love New Jersey, one of my favorite places to, to, to be, to visit. Um, yeah, then I, I, I actually moved to Florida as a young kid when I was about eight or nine. Um, so I spent some time there as a youth as well. So I made some friends there, and that's probably where I feel like I found my love for basketball, kind of maybe, because I was able to sign up for my first league and play, you know, uh, YMCA basketball. And that's where I played my first AU and, and things like that before I. I really got good, and uh, you know, then the story kind of unfolded itself. But so, was um, basketball your first and only love, or did you play the other sports as well? No, nah, I never did anything else, man. I never. Once I found basketball, it 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 legit saved my life. It, it like kept me busy. It kept me out of trouble. It kept me motivated. It, it like it held me accountable because I knew that I wanted to play, and if I didn't do certain things, whether it be grades or chores, I wouldn't be able to play. So. Once I found basketball, it was it was it for me. I never even thought about doing anything else. At what age did you realize that this thing is more than just playing basketball with my friends, or more than just rec league basketball? Like, you know, I go out there and play basketball, and it's just basketball. Yeah. At some point, I always took it. I always took it that serious, though. I think that's why I was good, is because I always took it that serious. But when I knew, 
when I knew for sure that it was like people watching me and people noticing how good I think I am, like, like I think I'm pretty good, but people are actually noticing it, was my freshman year, the school I went to in Florida was called Countryside High School, and the coach I, I the coach I had there, his name was Bob Marinek, and one day at a practice, I was kind of like BSing around, not going hard, and I was a freshman playing varsity, and so we had older guys that were like going really hard and like trying really hard, and I'm going through the motions kind of, he came up to me and like kind of like snatched me by my collar and was like, bro, why are you always bullshitting? Like, you know how good you can be? Like, I see flashes of you being a pro and you don't even realize it. Obviously, you being young, but like, then you see the older guys who you're clearly better than and you probably know it, but you kind of like shy away from being the best one because they're older, they're your friends. Right. And so that is when I was like, all right, I'm about to stop trying to not be the best one and just show them that I'm the best one. And that's when it kind of clicked to me that I could really be good at this. And I am good. Like, I'm better than the people that I think are good. Like, and it's other people telling me this. This wasn't me feeling that. It was other people telling me. And then I had to take a step back and realize, well, damn, maybe they know what they're talking about. So when you came to KU, obviously you're probably recruited by other schools. Kind of just touch on that. Like I said, future episodes we can dig in a little bit deeper and go through the process uh, behind the scenes. But just kind of touch on what was that like? Uh, I'm assuming you started getting offers freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year? I actually did not. Really? Yeah, so I didn't get a freshman. I didn't get an offer my freshman year, which was part of the reason that I moved back to New Jersey. So I would come back and forth to New Jersey and Florida. Uh, as a kid, I moved to Florida, so I would always come back home for spring break or Christmas or whatever it may be. And uh, so one one spring break, I came back and I went to the high school that I would end up going to for like a pickup or like a open gym. And I was playing with some other guys, a freshman that I felt like I was just as good at. And they started talking to me about like all the recruiting letters that they were getting. And I went back to Florida at the school that I was at. Clearly, again, the best player, the coach told me this as a freshman, but I wasn't like getting recruited or anything. So in my mind, I'm like, is it me or is it my <laughs> right. location type of thing? Um, so I didn't get my first letter until my sophomore year when um, I, I, I announced that I would be going to the St. Anthony's High School was when I got my first letter. And I hadn't even played a game. But who did the first letter come from? Maybe Seton Hall or Rutgers or something like that. St. Bonaventure, some like a small A-10 school. Um, but with that being said, for me, it was the first one, so I'm just like, <laughs> right. I, I, I didn't even play a game for the school, but because the coach, because the school was, you know, so highly touted that they knew if I could play there, I could be good enough to potentially play at their university. So they, I mean, they jumped on board that summer, and when I actually started to play, it piled up, like, a lot. So I pretty much had any any school except for a couple that stand out that I care about, like Duke. I didn't get recruited by Duke. Kentucky didn't recruit me. Um, what was the recruiting pitch from KU? Do you remember? Like, what was their sales? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't much of a pitch. So, so to, to kind of go back a little bit, my story, my recruiting story is, 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 a little, is a little funky. I'm sure there's some funky ones out there, which we'll get to once we talk to some of my teammates. But mine personally was um, kind of weird because I, I was played on a great high school team at 16 years, all committed. And I was like one of the last ones on my high school team I committed. And the, the school that was showing me the most um, attention was Marquette at the time. Also being in the Big East, I knew I would be able to come back to New Jersey and play against Rutgers, play against Seton Hall, play against St. John's, and family would be able to come watch. So I was like, 
all right, cool. Committed to Marquette. Tom Crean, who was the head coach at the time, ended up taking the Indiana job like a couple weeks later. Um, and so that opened my recruitment back up. And by that time, with that whole process happening, um, okay, you had won a national championship, a bunch of guys had left. And so when Coach Self came to recruit me, his recruiting pitch was, These are who, this is who I got. If you, like, if you can't come find a spot on this roster, then I'm recruiting the wrong guy anyway. He's like, and there's no offense to any of these guys I got, but none of them have played yet. None of them have showed me that they're like a starter or a proven college guy besides Sharon and Cole, I think, were the only two. Right. So at that time, it was like, and, and in my mind, I'm like, this is coming from a team that just won a national championship, so that means they have a potential to win again, regardless of what the roster says. Right. They have the potential to win again. And if I'm in the mix, on top of coming from a school that you said earlier, I, I'm used to winning. I won a national championship the year before that in high school. The year before that, I only lost one game. The year before that, I lost two games. So, can't, like a school like Kansas, I was meant to be at because I'm a winner. That's just it my, it's my thing. So, when you were growing up, did you have a college team growing up that you rooted for? That I you always watched? loved North Carolina. Okay. I always liked, I, didn't say, I wouldn't say love. I liked North Carolina because my AAU team was like baby blue. So, we always wore a bunch of baby blue Jordans or like, we would always get always get like that color warm up or like right. bag, <laughs> so it, it was like a, it was like a thing of mine. But I also lived in Florida around the time where I really started to fall in love, and that's Joe Kim Noah and Al Hoffer. Uh, so I got Florida. to watch, yeah, I got to watch Udonis Haslam and Mike Miller and and like go to the Florida like college team camps and stuff like that as a kid, as like a 10, 11 year old. Right. When I'm like falling in love with basketball, so that was huge too to watch them guys went back to back. I think it was three back national. Was it three? I think it's two. two. I think they went to three and they won. Two. And they won two. Yeah. So to see that as a kid, like starting to love the game, that had a huge impact on me too. But I never really had like a favorite college because I, I never could like you know players are there for three, four years and then they're gone. Right. So like like I would always fall in love with a player and then he'd be going to the NBA and then I try to like Follow. watch him there. But yeah. So you arrive in Lawrence, Kansas as a freshman from New Jersey. Have you ever been to Kansas before you came for a recruiting visit? No. no? So what was, the, what, what was the thing that shocked you the most or maybe surprised you? I don't you? know if I told you this story already and you just asked me because you know, but the most memorable thing for me, even prior to getting here as a, as a like a, before I even committed to, to come here, was on my visit. When I got to the airport and I seen how small it was, <laughs> Then I got in a car and we drove for 40 <laughs> minutes before we got to Lawrence. Right. And I didn't see anything except grass. <laughs> Fields. And I was just like, oh my gosh, bro, this is going to be tough. That's all I can think about is like, what the hell am I going to do out here? Right. Um, then we get to Lawrence and then it gets more, you know, townish. You got restaurants and you got things. But for 30 minutes, 35 minutes, there's nothing. And I'm, again, I'm coming from New Jersey in the city. Like, I'm taking a bus to school, cabs every day, you know, hopping trains. We, like, it's stuff going on. There's bodegas right down the street. I have to get in a car. I don't even have a license at this time. I don't even have a license at 18 years old because I just take the train or the bus everywhere. Right. So I get here and I can't just go get food or walk to the store to get it, like, a soda. Like, I got to, like, drive. So when you get picked up at the airport, this is one of the just weird, random questions. Like, who picks you up? Coach? Players? A manager. A manager. have a manager. Yeah, they'll send, like, a manager um, who will probably, like, show you where you're going to stay. And they'll probably meet you at your dorm or wherever you're going to stay. 
um, to like. But like at the them. airport, that picked you up was a manager. Yeah, it was a manager. See, I would always assume it would have been a coach or another player. Yeah, right. They not. That's yeah, right. So, like, but have you, were you committed at that point when you showed no, up? No, when I came on my visit, I was not committed. See, yet. I would assume well, it'd be like a coach because then you'd have forty minutes of trying to feel the dead air of you driving in a car looking around going where the I think heck they, am I? I think they want that though. I think they, they I think they expect you to take that in. Like I almost think it's part of it. Like if you can if like, you can handle that you can handle it. I, I really feel like it, especially at places like this and when you're dealing with guys like me and at that time we had the twins from Philly, me from New Jersey, another kid that came from New Jersey at the same time, Mario Little who came from Chicago and then Tyrone Appleton came from Gary, Indiana, which is probably the closest to, like, what this is compared right. to the uh, the rest of I mean, Travis came from Kansas City that year, too. So he was he was familiar, familiar with the area and how things work. But the rest of us were like, where the hell are we? And what the hell are we about to do? Which was good and bad because we got so close together because we just did everything together. So it was, like, kind of cool to have a big recruiting class like that in a time like that. So when you landed in Lawrence, did you know in your head this is probably where I'm going to go? Or were you still on the fence? Or oh, still? Yeah. No, no, no. When I got here, it was over. Was it because that was the only offer left? <laughs> no, no. I still had a bunch mm -hmm. of offers left, actually. And it was crazy because I was one of the last best seniors in the country left. Like, it was between me. I, I remember Amon Shumpert being in a bunch of conversations with me. Um, it was like a couple of other, like, really big recruits that I'm pretty sure Kimba was in a couple conversations with me. It was a couple of other guards that were in the conversation because they had a Tariq Evans who went to Memphis that year was in a conversation being recruited and like in a bunch of conversations about oh well, if you come here then this guy might go here but we would love to see you play them together. Like I remember the pitch for North Carolina and Georgia Tech was both of them were trying to get me and Amon Shepard to come play the one and two there and then Florida was like well we got Irvin Walker, who I love from New York, one of my favorite people who was in my class. At, he, they got him. They also had a guard who came in the year before who was like a top 100 or 20, top 20 guard. And so, yeah, I still had a bunch of, of people. But when I got here, like on my visit, again, they had just won a national championship. So they already had like one up on everybody else. And they, I didn't have, I didn't, not, not that I, not that I wasn't going to have to compete for minutes, but with who and for like how many minutes, right? Because like, if I would have went to Florida, which was a which was probably the second option, I had two other freshman guards that I would have been had to compete with for four, four years, years, opposed to maybe Sharon for two years, or maybe Tyrone Appleton for two years, who was the other guard who got recruited that year. Um, so in my mind, it was like, All right, I'll eventually play, right? Like somebody like. In my mind, Sharon's an NBA guy anyway. He's not going to be here two years. He's going to be here one year. I'm going to play a little bit with him. Might have to play behind him some. But when he leaves, I'm going to really be here. So that was part of, like, knowing that when I got here. Because when I got here, Russell Robinson was my host. He was leaving, but they, he still was hosting me. And Sharon would, like, pop in and out. But he was just telling me, like, bro, you're going to play. Because who else is going to play? Russell's <laughs> a New York guy, right? That's, that's did, you also, know, did you know Russell from... Russell older than me, but I watched Russell play a couple times when I was in high school, uh, or when I was in actually younger than high school. Um, but Russell was Russell in New York. Russell was like a legend. So like, yeah, I always looked up to Russell. And when I when I came here, even knowing that I wasn't gonna play with him, but how he was treated, how he talked about Coach Self, 
how he was able to spend his four years and how like how he, how much he loved the school and the people was a lot like had a lot to do with why I came here. On your visit, did they was there a game that night? Basketball game, football game, or anything? Or you just no? Shown school, around I think the... school was almost over. So again, I I, I committed late. So okay. like the season was definitely over. They had already won the championship. Guys had already. I think we played pickup when I got here, so Mario was hanging around a little bit, still on the fence if he was going to stay or go. Russell, obviously a senior, but everybody was going. Even Sharon wasn't here a lot because he was like recovering from an injury or something. So um, yeah, it was a it was a, it was a perfect time for me actually to, to come here. Like like you again, one of the things you said in the intro is me being able to start for four years. The, the, I mean. Not too many people are, I don't think anybody's done that under Coach Self for one, like all four years, a starter. Like, you know, you're locked in the starting lineup every game, unless you just do some dumb shit off the court. Like Which we might get know. into that later. Yeah, but other than that, you know you're going to start. You're going into practice, you're going into every game as a starter, like knowing that you're going to play a huge part if we win or lose. So um, I don't think anybody for four years can say that. And right. a, a lot of guys were good enough to go to the NBA. A lot of guys just weren't good enough to start for four years. So. With that being said, I was in the right position. I was in the right, like I came at the right time. And we, I played good. I helped myself because I could have easily been put in that position and just not performed. Right. Um, so I, I, I helped myself by playing good and, um, you know, doing the right things for the most part. We got a lot of episodes to get, dig into your KU career, but before we move ahead a little bit, let's give us one KU story. I'll let you choose, man. It could of, be a, of me, of you, like a, a coach, a teammate, something funny, something, whatever. I'm gonna let you pick it, man. One story. One story. I mean, I'm like. We'll get into a lot, but let, we're, this is called a teaser in the radio business, man. Four-year guy. A um, lot of stories. Played with a lot of great players. Had a lot of good coaches over my career. Um, lots of things have happened. Lots and lots of things have happened. Something that's not going to get anybody in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll for sure keep that in mind all the time. <laughs> but I think one thing, I, I think one one story that I always love to tell is about my senior year when it was me, Thomas, Elijah, and Travis. Uh, we were kind of like the older bunch. Excuse me. And then there was like Nadir Tharp, Merv Lindsay, Nico Roberts, Ben McLemore, Jamari Trailer. They were like uh, the younger guys, the KUCMB is what they called themselves. And so um, they would just kind of bother us and get on our nerves like little brothers would. You know, they would just do annoying things after practice, before practice. They just would kind of bother us. And so we got into this thing where we would like jump them, like beat them up, like physically assault them um, if we caught one of them by themselves. There's more of them than us. And Sometimes T. Rod wouldn't play because he would just get too physical. So nobody wanted to play. Like if he came around, all the fighting stopped. So like he could always even play. But one time, so we would go through this all the time. You know, this was like kind of our thing. We catch one of them, whether it be like in a hotel or like at dinner. Like you know, like I'll be not dear set with me. He was my guy. And one day we was eating, and T. Rod just like grabbed him up, and I had him like sitting there for like an hour after dinner. We was like sitting there talking basketball, and T. Rod we just whooped his ass in the face. <laughs> Right, and then one time, and this is the story I was getting to, is how they had Travis. They were playing video games, and so they sent Travis down there, and Travis was like playing video games and kicking it for hours, just kicking it for hours. Me, a mass text goes out. Me, Elijah, and T. Rob get it. Me and T. Rob together, we both look at our phones. Travis is duct taped to a chair, 
with his mouth duct taped, he's wrapped <laughs> up like a mummy. And they're all like, it's like a ransom video. They're all like, yeah, come get your boy he in our room. Whose room was it? It was Jamari Trailer and Christian Garrett's. So, right down the hall. Like, we're literally now, is this opposite. in the dorms? Yeah, okay. in, in the tower, Jayhawk Towers. We're literally opposite of them. So, we go banging on the door, boom, 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 banging on the door, banging on the door. They're not opening it, but we hear them laughing and shit. They're still sending us videos on our phone as we're outside banging on the door. So, I don't know. I think probably Jamari probably got the, the idea to, let's crack it. Let's crack the door real quick to see where they at because we stopped banging. Soon as he cracks the door, T-Rob takes the fire extinguisher, sticks the holes in there, and squeezes. <laughs> Bro, two seconds later, they open the door, and everybody just rolls out, <laughs> stumbles out. Travis is still duct tape. Duct tape. <laughs> He's still duct tape. So we had to go in there, room full of smoke, drag him out. The fire thing goes off. Everybody runs out. The fire people come. <laughs> Crazy. Obviously, Coach has to get called about this, and we all blame it on the young guys. So we, we, I mean, I don't even remember who got in trouble for it or not. <laughs> Whoever room it was for sure got in trouble by the dorm people. Coach yelled at all of us probably. Just dumb shit. We would just do dumb shit like that all the time, bro. There's so many stories like that. Like, before I even got to my main story, I told you about us, me talking to Nadir and grabbing him up. We would do stuff like that all the time. But... That's a that's a pretty good story. Yeah. That's a pretty good tease right there of what what else is coming up yeah, on future it's episodes it's a bunch of, of Tyshawn podcast with Tyshawn Taylor. I know some people who've listened to me talk before heard that story because it's so funny and I tell it a lot. Probably like one of the first ones that come to my mind, but like you said, there's a bunch of those, man. So we'll get into some of those in future episodes if you if you listen in on episode two, three, four and so on. So after you leave, graduate from KU, playing the national championship game, you're the 41st selection in the NBA draft. 41st. 41st. How was that? What was that night like? The night was crazy. The, the whole entire night was amazing. Um, I got to spend it in Jersey with my family, so that was fun. And I, yeah, I mean, I got to get drafted by a hometown team, so that was good. Um, the draft night, the draft day, I remember almost getting stuck in New York, catching a flat tire. Um, my friend that I was with, his, his wife was threatening to like shut the car down. And I was like, bro, how can she shut the car down? He was like, like she has like a tracker on it, bro, and it's just stolen, she can like stop it. So <laughs> basically like get your ass home while I'm gonna shut this car down. Cause we had been in New York for so long. I was looking for something to wear. Um, finally found something. And then the traffic on the way back out of the city was crazy that I didn't even get to my own draft party until midway through the first round. So I got, I probably got there about the 18th, 20th pick, which I knew I wasn't going top 20, so I was good. Um, finally get there, talk to my family, I sit down, I chop it up. Um, I thought I was going at 29 to Chicago. My agent didn't like guarantee it, but almost like they like you a lot and they do need a guard. So it could be you or it could be like three other people. They ended up taking another guard, so I was like kind of sad. And I went and sat by myself for like a second. And once I did that, I sat there for probably like 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Um, then I started to like talk to my mom again. A couple more picks came. We got into the third, like late 30s. And I wasn't even looking for my name because my agent told me from 29 to like 40, nobody needs you. So you might go the whole 30s and nobody even, like they might, even, they might not even draft a guard. And 
then the 40s come, someone I know gets picked, I go to like text him congratulations, and then I hear the whole bar like scream. And I turn around and I'm like, they show my highlights on TV. So you didn't even get a call from like your agent or like a well, team yeah, or? I, I, no, not before I before got drafted, you got drafted. Not before I got drafted, and I'll tell you why. I got drafted by Portland, and two minutes later, the Nets. Traded. Exactly. So then I get the call, but the shit had already happened. I already knew I was going to the Nets. So Portland didn't call me, obviously, to tell me that they were trading me. That was something that they talked about. So Avery Johnson called me, and then my agent called me, like, did you talk to me? I just gave him your number. And I was like, yeah, I just got off the phone. I couldn't hear shit he was saying, though, because everybody was still screaming. Right. I tried to, like, walk <laughs> away, and I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I'm so excited. And he's like, good. I love like, you. I, I love talking to you. We loved everything about our meeting. Um, we look forward to meeting you. Uh, we'll be in the offices tomorrow when you come by and all of that. Um, and then we went out and had a fucking ball. First <laughs> <laughs> night of my life. I go home now and some of my homies still talk to me about that night, bro. And it's crazy because it was sick, bro. And I was a second round pick, so T-Rod was a first round pick and was in the same club, so we got to like hang out hang together. Hang out, that's awesome. And this shit was crazy. So how different was NBA life compared to college life? The life is completely different. The game is not a, like huge differences in the game. The lifestyle is completely different. You go from being a child, everything taken care of for you, people doing everything for you. Um, and I guess that's still the same way in the NBA, kind of, because you, you you're, you're paying people to do that now. Um, but, yeah, it's just a completely different lifestyle. Um, you're on your own. Um, your only job is to make sure that you're staying in shape and you're working on your game. Um, you don't have any other responsibilities outside of that um, other than the businesses and the things that other players are starting to get into. But at one point, you know, it's just basketball, basketball, basketball. And um, you just try to be the best at that. So um, I spent a lot of time in the gym and I spent a lot of time out in the clubs and shit because that's part of the life, I feel like. like right. And then I wasn't playing as much as I really wanted to. So I didn't that probably more than I should have. Um, as I guess as a coping mechanism or a way to kind of like escape feeling like I, I, I wasn't good enough on the basketball side. It was like, right. all right, well, I'm good enough to live like an NBA player, you know? So um, that was my approach. Kids, anybody listening, don't take that approach. Stay locked in the gym. Don't ever leave. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the difference between the lifestyle is that you're making your own decisions and um, there's not really too many people there telling you, like, ah, it's probably not the way to go. Right. Uh, away, you got to wake up early in the morning. You got practice tomorrow. You got this schedule. Like, is you doing that, or having to having to make sure you have the right people around you to do that for you? Um, so yeah, complete different lifestyle. We can get into more of that also future episodes. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe, like on our YouTube channel. Hit the like. Bro. Hit the Hit like the buttons. Like, follow. Let's get it up. We've Run been up. Uh, we've been working on some future promos for once we hit a certain amount of likes, and we'll be giving away some cool prizes and got some good things coming down the road. Random question. We're about to wrap up episode the first inaugural episode. Random question. If you're a closer in the major league baseball. Game on the line, bottom of the ninth. You get the call from the bullpen. Gate opens up. You get ready to run out. What's your song blaring on the PA system? My name is Hove. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back there you could call me. 
the CEO of the ROC, ho. See, I thought maybe you were going to go a little Mariano Rivera, some inner Sandman. I love Mariano. I mean, that was probably one of my favorites. what I would do. If you asked me who I'd have walking out, I'd have said, oh, yeah, Mariano, for sure. That's my closing for life. But my music, oh, it's got to be some Jay-Z or some, uh, what's, Frank, what's Frank Sinatra's song? The uh, Old Blue Eyes? I Did It My Way. My Way. I did it my way. Are we yeah. going to be able to edit that part out? Not if people need to hear that. Hoboken's very own Frank Sinatra featuring Hoboken's very own Tyshawn Taylor. Can't beat that. Tyshawn, appreciate you having me. You got anything to close the show with? No, man. Thank you. Um, again, I appreciate all the behind the scenes work you did to get us here. Um, and I just look forward to continuing to talk shit to you and work with you. Make sure and re- listen to episode number two coming soon and then episode three so to follow. I think we're working on a special guest for episode three. We don't want to bust that out yet, but maybe we will on episode number two. Thanks for joining us and good night now.